Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a podcast from therapists for clients about the healing journey. We hope this will be a resource of encouragement, comfort, insight, and understanding for you along this courageous process. Welcome back to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. Um, It is Melissa and I here today in the studio to talk about dissociation. Mm Mm-hmm. A topic that we talk a lot about. That's right. And that is um, very, I feel like it's a buzzword, dissociating, but think, not yeah. very well understood. Yeah. There is a lot of uh, misconception, misunderstanding. Um, but I do feel like culturally it's getting a little better simply in the fact that we are uh, talking about it. Yes. That it's a topic of conversation. You'll hear people call it disassociation pretty often. Disassociation. Yeah, yeah, with the A. Yes. And uh, so the the actual word is dissociation. And so, you know, that's how we're going to say it. But um, pretty commonly, you'll hear people talk about it as disassociation as well. Which is a very different thing. It is. But we mean the same thing sometimes. um, Yes. Which is a good clarifying point. So, but yeah, uh, we're going to talk about dissociation and how our nervous system utilizes it as a strategy to deal with all kinds of things. We're going to give definitions of what it is and talk about why it is a beautiful and sometimes tragic adaptation of the human nervous system. That's exactly how I was going to say it. (laughs) Beautiful (laughs) Beautiful and tragic. tragic. Both are true. Yeah. Before we do, though, I want to just take a second to talk about something that we do here at Beyond Healing Center. Um, that uh, a lot of people I think could benefit from Mm -hmm. and I know they could just based on my personal experience doing them but also uh, just hearing from other people and that is our uh, EMDR intensive retreats Mm -hmm. healing retreats that's right so this is uh, something that if you have been resonating with the topics of this podcast and really thinking about you know the your lived experience and how that has shaped you over the course of your life and you'd really love to explore that with somebody and maybe either don't have the resources available to you um, locally where you live, mm-hmm. or maybe you want something that's more, um, much more, uh, I guess, like precisely focused. Yes. Um, intensive retreats can be a really great option because you can dedicate anywhere between a couple hours to a mm-hmm. whole uh, five days with a Beyond Healing clinician that then uh, will work with you in discovering your treatment goals and how they would like to help you find the resources that you uh, would feel supported by in approaching those goals. And we have Mm -hmm. things like equine Mm -hmm. assisted therapy. We have, yep. Yoga therapy. We have massage. um, We've got art therapy. Mm -hmm. And then our traditional, you know, the thing that weds it all together is our uh, EMDR uh, retreat uh, treatment approach. So, That is something that uh, you can find out about by going to our website, beyondhealingcenter.com, and then click on the retreats tab. But we have, uh, we just trained a lot of new clinicians Mm -hmm. from Beyond Healing Center in this model. And so we're very excited to be able to offer um, more opportunities for people to get the type of healing that they really need and they're really looking for. Mm -hmm. That also uh, is just a subtle way of saying we have new clinicians at Beyond Healing Center. So if you're here local to Missouri, um, you can, uh, give us a call and we can do, uh, just kind of a brief little intro to see what you're thinking about and what yeah. you're needing help with at the time. And then, uh, one of our uh, admin team will help you get in contact yeah, with a therapist. You with a matching clinician. Yeah. That's right. And then that clinician can reach out to you and you can kind of see how that fits Yeah, and that'll be 
Yeah. And all of our clinicians are, you know, trained in the model that we use here at Beyond Healing, somatic integration processing, and uh, also an EMDR therapy. So, you know, everybody uses the same approach. We're very collaborative. And so when you work with any clinician here at BHC, you're kind of getting access to a whole team of people. Yeah. Um, because we really support each other in that way. And that's very Absolutely. intentional. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we would love to have you and, uh, retreats are one of the favorite things that we do because we get so much shift in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, if you have any questions, go to the website. You can also email us at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com. And we would love to answer any questions as you're trying to make a decision about whether that would be a good yeah. uh, fit for you. Yeah. And we understand how, um, important this decision is. Oh, and so we don't take it yeah. lightly at all. Yeah. So even if you're just curious about, uh, these services, you know, you can, people travel from all over the world mm-hmm. to come to these things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we totally understand the need to really vet the source and really talk right. about what am I going to be signing up for mm-hmm. and showing up to Springfield, Missouri to go on this thing? Yeah. So um, again, that's therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com for the email, but then also beyondhealingcenter.com uh, retreats tab, and you'll be able to get in contact with us through that. Yeah. All right. So I'm really excited about I'm this topic. I'm so excited. Uh-huh. When I sat down today and saw that we were going to be talking about dissociation. We both got really thrilled like a little giddy like <laughs> which is i don't think that's the typical response no probably not i think you know i think both you and i uh have a deep appreciation yes for uh the human experience of dissociation number one because it's very misunderstood and both yeah. you and i really like to bring clarity to things yes. that are uh, typically misunderstood that are mysterious or vague or yes, misunderstood. yeah and personally this is you know my nervous system's favorite strategy to deal with all kinds of things so uh this is a personal topic to me. And so, you know, I'm pretty passionate about raising people's awareness about it and helping people that deal with dissociation to understand what it actually is and what it means and what it doesn't mean. I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. Um, We've come up with sort of our brief definition of what dissociation is. Mm -hmm. um, But then I'd love for Melissa, you and I both to just kind of talk about maybe our felt definition. Like what does this actually feel like in your body in the moment that it's occurring? Yeah, Yeah. because it's something that I think as we talk more about it on this episode, you as the listener will start to hear a lot of the nuance. Yeah, and that said, I'm just kind of having a moment of awareness that sometimes when we're, (laughs) yeah, Bridger's shaking his head yes at me. Um, Sometimes when we start to describe this, it can be a little activating as you're listening, especially if this is something that you have struggled with. So we just want you to kind of, you know, monitor yourself and how you're feeling as you're listening. Which is tough in dissociation. Yes, true. (laughs) Um, And we'll be describing exactly uh, what to monitor to know whether or not this is occurring. Yeah. But just being conscious of uh, this is a really tender area for any of us that do struggle with it and experience it. And so, um, yeah, just take good care of yourself as usual. I feel like we kind of say that every single time. It's a blanket statement. But it's relevant every single time and particularly with dissociation. If you notice that your body is uh, reacting to things that we're saying, just kind of slow down whatever you're doing, especially if you're driving. Yeah. um, And just be conscious and aware. And we're going to wrap up the episode with... Um, yeah. what do you do about Some this? Some very practical yeah, pieces. If you do notice that it's happening in the moment and yeah. then in the big picture, how do you get help with it? Right. Um, certainly therapy is an answer to that, but what kind of therapy and what kind of therapist do you want to work with that's really going to have the expertise they need to deal with this well? Because yeah. um, dissociation is does not respond well to right. a lot of traditional therapies. And yes. that's one of the reasons why... Um, 
it is as misunderstood as it is because it's a lot of fear in the psychotherapy community very much so very much so so without further ado what is dissociation yeah i feel like a lot of people that i've come in contact with that uh, are talking about dissociation they refer to it almost in the context of it's about a flashback or they'll just have this like misassociation with oh that's ptsd only like it's it's just about um, a person being sucked out of the moment mm. uh, and going mm-hmm. back into the past. Mm-hmm. No, that's a flashback. That's a flashback, <laughs> exactly. But there's just such a misnomer yeah. in our culture yeah. that that's the same thing, and right. that if anything else outside of that, that's not what. Which that I is. think is tricky because we we are trained as therapists, and it is technically neurobiologically true that a flashback Involves. is a form of dissociation. But the umbrella of dissociation is much bigger than yes. that. And um, so, yeah, we talk about it as a spectrum it is. of dissociation. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, there are multiple models. Melissa, you really like the back of the head I do. method, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to just like briefly give that or maybe later. Maybe later. Okay. okay. I'll talk about it later. We'll see if it comes up. Yeah. But the spectrum um, is based around sort of our understanding of dissociation, um, which Again, it's a huge field and a huge idea discussed in psychotherapy. So this is a very concise, but we conceptualize dissociation as a neurobiological process that affects someone's ability to hold attention and awareness in the present moment. So it's mm-hmm. a combination and a difficulty with awareness and attention. Yes. And that phrase, neurobiological process, yes. um, I want to highlight because dissociation is not necessarily most commonly a choice that we make consciously it happens much more like a reflex yes um in the same way that uh we reflexively respond to something that's hot when we touch it there are certain stimuli that produce a spontaneous dissociative response uh, for those of us that have that available in our nervous system yeah and the truth is all humans have it available. Yep. And there's a reason for that. It is built into our nervous system to have dissociation as an option. Threat response. As a threat response for moments when our nervous system determines that whatever the situation is that we're encountering, and that could be an external situation or an internal situation, yep. a sensation, a thought, a feeling, a memory that we are experiencing internally, any of those things can trigger a response in our system to look for a way to deal yes. with the distress that is happening yes. to us. And I really, I love that way of thinking about it because it just makes us slow down and and not look for um, black and white, yes or no, mm-hmm. dissociated or not. Um, because when you spectrumize it like this, now we're looking at this neurobiological reality that all humans can dissociate. They right. have the they have the hardware for yes. it, but that not all humans do at the same time for the same reason right. for the same amount. Right. It's all very uh, individual uh, mm-hmm. in its in its emergence in the body. Mm-hmm. And so, what's really going on there? That's where kind of our fascination at Beyond Healing is of why do people dissociate and what uh, what is it doing for them? Right. And, you know, that goes back to a lot of the ideas we've talked about in this podcast so far is that we as humans don't do anything for nothing. Mm-hmm. It may look like a strategy that's not effective on the outside because that person is just like locked in place. Right. But it's doing something very, very important for oh, that yeah. person. Yeah. So as you're listening to us talk more about this, slowing yourself down to just think about it in terms of 
uh, a potential strategy Mm -hmm. that your lived experience has either taught you will be effective or will not be effective. And the, the awareness that this is a natural biological process that occurs. Yes. Yes. It does happen in response to trauma and overwhelm. It also happens in response to waiting life. Yeah. (laughs) Or here's a great example, you know, before we get into the details of, okay, all the different ways that dissociation can look in different human organisms, um, You know, one easy way of kind of conceptualizing what normal everyday average dissociation looks like. Um, What happens to us when we are driving home from work and we miss our turn? We drive this road every day. So why on this day did I miss my turn? Well, was I lost in thought? Possibly, but there's something happening internally where I was so preoccupied with the internal stimuli and experience that I was having that I lost awareness of my present environment. Yeah. I, I detached and disassociated, dissociated. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> dissociated. Dissociated. Um, from the stimuli of this present moment in my external environment and withdrew into my own internal reality. And that resulted in me not noticing that I needed to turn left right there. And now I'm five miles down the road going, where the heck am I? Also, I'm driving. Oh, whoopsie. Yeah. Um, That is a normal (laughs) human experience of dissociation. Yeah. If you've ever gotten home and not remembered any part of the drive, that's exactly what that is. Yes. Um, Another another example of this, because this is uh, planned dissociation mm. for most of us, there, there's two examples that I really like. Number one is a very, very long plane ride. Okay? You're sitting between two strangers. Over three hours. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. 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 Now, in my world, you know, we're talking like over eight hours. Right. Because when you're on an international flight, I highly recommend dissociation. It's a beautiful strategy. Oh, my gosh. Please do it. Um <laughs> And so we're, we're all kind of familiar with that sensation of, okay, I'm stuck right here. I'm choosing to be here, but everything in my body is saying, why the heck are you doing this? Yeah. Like you should get out of here. Mm-hmm. But no, I am going to sit in this plane between two strangers in this very tight situation and it smells weird and feels bad and I'm choosing to not leave. Yeah. How do I handle the discomfort of that? dissociation is a great option sometimes we use dissociative aids such Mm -hmm. as music such as listening to a book on you know audible that can kind of help to transport us to a different time and place and that has a dissociative quality to it because it's removing us from the intensity of this present moment and helping our body manage the distress that it's currently experiencing my other favorite example of that is going to the dentist most of us, if it is a possibility in our body, will choose to dissociate while at the dentist. Yeah. Um, Tools well, and hands in mouth. In my mouth uh, and there's drilling noises and I'm fluorescent really right. lights and just all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And now that part of the reason why I like the example of the dentist is because it, it lets us feel that dance between... I really want to dissociate from what's happening, but sometimes the stimuli is so intense that I can't yeah. and I'm kind of jarred back to the present moment and it's so uncomfortable. And then immediately I want to disconnect it from, from it again and just sort of survive until it's over. Mm-hmm. And that phrase survive, survive until, until it's, it's over, over to me is exactly what dissociation yeah. is all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where I, I love talking about it in context because it really sort of illuminates how experience dependent the ex- the process of dissociation actually is. Yes. And why it is that way 
um, is that dissociation is a strategy mm-hmm. of the human nervous system uh, utilized when we're overwhelmed. overwhelmed. Um, and in that space, when we talk about it as a strategy, we now get to something much deeper in the brain. Yeah. We get to the autonomic nervous system, which yes. is something we talk about a ton and that we have talked about on this podcast, but there's always more to talk about. Oh, it's the nervous system. That's right. There's, it's there's infinitely complex. <laughs> yes. But for this, uh, for, for this talk, uh, this podcast, I just want to give like a little bit of a description of um, that'll help us maybe understand how we drop out of uh, attention and awareness and into dissociation. Mm-hmm. So the human organism uh, is, uh, you know, wired to connect in and through the human nervous system. And what that means for us is that our social engagement system, which is something we could talk so much more about, but it is this uh, process within our brains that when we are in a place where we feel safe and we feel like we have what we need to stay safe in connection, we're happy to do it. Our heart rate is regulated. Mm-hmm. Breath is breath is easy and deep. Uh, your faces you're feeling, feel friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Faces feel friendly, and you feel like you're able to connect with other people. And you want to connect. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But there's this process going on where we're always looking for cues of safety to stay in that place, mm-hmm. or cues of danger uh, that maybe we need to drop out of that that mm-hmm. fixed attention and awareness and into threat. Response. Response. Yeah. Which right. means activation. Uh, yes. Some kind of activation in our body where our nervous system is literally evaluating the potential threat and figuring yes. out, do I have the resources to deal with yes. this threat? And it does that first through mobilization. Yes. Increased energy in the system to get us up and going. That's yes. that fight flight response yes. that we're yep. so Can familiar with. Can I get with. away from it? Can I fight it? Yeah. Yep. Do I have the resources in me or in my environment to make use of in order to uh, you know, avoid or otherwise remove this threat mm-hmm. from the environment. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's yeah. the sympathetic nervous system at its finest. Yep. But what happens if we don't have the resources available to us? Mm-hmm. What happens if we are actually overwhelmed? Mm-hmm. The true meaning of the word where we don't have what it takes to go on any longer. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't just die in that standpoint. Right. You have something even deeper in the brain uh, and in the body that is the dorsal response, yeah. which is another concept we could go so much into, but it's the to dorsal shut vagal shutdown freeze response. Yep. Yeah. Of the autonomic nervous system. And it's part of the, the parasympathetic nervous system, which it still has a lot of energy in it, mm-hmm. but it's not geared towards mobilization. Yeah. It's geared towards freeze. Yeah. It's a kind of uh, paralysis with yeah. the potential of moving into action very quickly. Mm-hmm. If, if I think I could suddenly get away. Yeah. So a visual that I think is really helpful is, you know, a scared bunny, mm-hmm. right? So you, you see this happen with little mammals all the time where they freeze and they don't move and their eyes are huge. and Darting they, back yeah, and forth. Da- darting back and forth or maybe not moving at all. Their body's either totally still or trembly. Very rigid. Yes, very, yeah. very rigid. And the bare second that they think that they can potentially get away, Boom. they will bolt. Yep. And so when you're in a dissociated place, there there is a version of it, sort of the, the initial wave of dissociation has that quality to it of I'm frozen, but I could bolt at any time. Yeah. As the dissociative experience continues, we lose that activation state yeah. and we sink deeper and deeper into the paralysis Numbed and the out, numbing. Yeah. And spacey. The, the, yeah. The, I'm stuck in this space and I'm losing the ability to mobilize myself into action. Right. 
And that uh, happens to our body when we're, we don't know how to get rid of the threat. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're looking for an out and the out isn't coming. Yeah. And part of what I think is so confusing about dissociation is that we're used to thinking of threats as, oh, this person is trying to hit me. This person is yelling Obviously at me. trying to yeah. inflict pain. Yeah, but... Then as human beings, we have all of these incredibly complex social situations Mm. that provide challenges to that evaluation process in our nervous system of what is the threat here? Like what actually is going on? Why do I feel under threat at all? And it can be really, really hard sometimes to pinpoint exactly why we're so scared. Mm -hmm. What is this threat? And how do I get out of this social dynamic without causing more problems? Yes. And the the complexity of human social interactions, especially in this day and age where we have so much communication, so much information and interaction coming in through all kinds of sources in a given day, those social threat challenges have gotten increasingly complex and our body is more and more easily overwhelmed because it doesn't know how to evaluate what to do about it. Yes. So... In my opinion, dissociation is on the rise because our bodies are struggling to know how to deal with the complexities of the social threats that we are currently experiencing as a society. And so we, we see dissociation all the time. It yeah. is incredibly underdiagnosed, misdiagnosed, and misunderstood. Yes, and mistreated, therefore. Mis- oh, my gosh, so yeah. mistreated. Um, yeah, I just can't, I mean, to that point of the increased threat. Yeah. I mean, I have a few clients, uh, a number of them, actually, that are... Um, adolescent um and just immersed in the world of social media of high school bullying of just these complex dynamics that are just like i don't know how you do that yeah how do you go to school and learn no are you kidding me with a phone in your pocket that is your primary indicator of your worth and value in the society that is constantly pinging at you with feedback about your worthiness like dear god i mean i thought i thought high school was bad yeah i did not it was, it, it was, but but. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't have Facebook is That's the point true. or TikTok and Instagram and all the other no, things. Yeah, it's TikTok is the culprit, yeah, everyone. Okay. Yeah. Just <laughs> PSA. Okay. <laughs> Stay off of TikTok. TikTok is I mean, the there's, devil. Some, there's some good stuff out it's there. Amazing. But basically, yeah. teenage brains and social media are just a really rough yeah. combination. I have uh, like designated time in my session with one person where we talk about uh, how TikTok hurt their feelings this week. <laughs> no lie. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Like it's an entity all into itself. Yeah, it's a person. It's a person. They have a relationship. They have a relationship. They definitely have a relationship. And it's abusive. Oh. It absolutely is. Yep. But that's that's that claim. (laughs) That's a slight derailment that is so applicable to all of us. Um, Okay. So I want to give some examples of Mm. what does this actually look like slash feel like in the lived experience of a human being? Because there's a lot of different options. Um, so here's just a list of descriptive adjectives that I think apply to this human experience. Zoning out, feeling numb, the thousand yard stare, deer in the headlights, feeling like you can't respond the way that you want to when people are talking to you, voices start to sound far away and muffled, uh, losing your train of thought easily or being in the middle of speaking and you kind of trail off in mid-sentence and don't know what you were trying to say. Mm-hmm. Walking into a room and forgetting why you were there. 
Um, now, some of this might sound like forgetfulness and, uh, you know, things that happen as we get older. Um, but, and that can be true. But when it's happening um, and there's not another organic way of explaining what's happening, yeah. association is often the culprit. Right there. Yep. Um, trouble focusing. Right. Um, trouble kind of staying, yeah. staying with what we're doing and remembering what we're trying to do and feeling like we have clear, articulate thoughts and speech. Um, another big one for a lot of people is uh, sleepiness. Wanting to sleep all the time. Yeah. yeah. Of, of literally like, well, I mean, I shared with you guys that this was my, is my nervous system's favorite response to just about anything. Um, it's an effective strategy. It, it really is. And uh, when I was in high school, my <laughs> primary care doctor diagnosed me with a um, an unknown sleep condition. Unknown sleep condition. <laughs> it's like dissociation. We know like, something is wrong with your sleep patterns, but we have no idea what it is. Yeah. And now I know what it actually was. But at that point in time, I could sleep for about uh, 16 to 18 hours a day and wake up and still be tired. Wow. And that was mm-hmm. happening routinely. So I was you know, missing lots and lots of school. Um, you know, My mother would try to wake me up and I would like be unresponsive yeah. like she couldn't wake me up um i was falling asleep in class after mm. sleeping all night uh, so i had all of these sleep related symptoms um and looking back on it it was a an incredibly profound dorsal shutdown and dissociative prolonged dissociative state that was resulting in just kind of a a whole nervous system yeah. shutdown and paralysis yeah. yeah when i'm talking with my clients about this uh i try to just make it as as kind of vivid in their mind as I can in normalizing their lived experience. Yeah. Like a person uh, comes to mind that was saying, you know, I get all of this like brain science stuff, but why can't I just focus? I feel like I'm losing my mind. Mm-hmm. Like I can't hold on to a thought mm-hmm. in my head. Yeah. And I, I really just want to go into the biology of that experience because it right. is so scary. Right. Why can't I remember? Why can't I just talk about it? Why can't I, why can't I form a coherent sentence in my head? And the simple answer is that the structures in your brain that are necessary for doing that are not online, not online. And what we mean by that is there, the resources that need to be given to those structures to produce the type of consciousness that you need is not happening. Yeah. I think, you know, an easy way of thinking about this is Let's say you eat a big meal and your body has to deal with the fact that you just ate that steak and baked potato. 2,000 calories. Yeah. Boom. And the way that it does that is says, oh, all blood flow now goes to stomach. Goes to gut. Yeah. And so it's very natural that when that happens. I'm kind of sleepy. We're like, oh, God, I got to lay down, right? <laughs> or like I feel kind of foggy headed. I need a cup of coffee. Yeah. And what's happening is that resources are being allocated to digestion and not to cognitive processing which is necessary which is necessary big mass of you just ate a steak (laughs) (laughs) that's you got to be dealt with and you want your body to deal with that well because otherwise you get a stomach ache um but the the result of that is that resources are going to be shifted away and you're not going to be thinking as clearly you're not going to be as productive that afternoon because all of your resources are going to that steak yeah and association is similar our resources are going to survival and managing the distress that our body is feeling and that is uh, in competition with cognitive processing 
we only have so many energetic resources to put uh, into any moment of any day. And if our body has decided that survival is important right now because there's some kind of threat, we're not going to be able to do high-level cognitive executive functioning. Don't care about planning. Nope. Don't really even care about communicating. Yeah, like math, what the heck? Yeah. You know, remembering stuff, that Speaking, seems inconsequential. I don't need to. Yeah. So all of those things that, you know, we try to do and feel like are important suddenly become more and more difficult because resources are being allocated yes. at a, to a different point in our body. Yes, and that just gets fed back to us when in our environment we're struggling to even stay grounded enough to be in the present because right. we feel so unsafe. Exactly. Then we get shamed for that exactly and now we're just in this vicious cycle yeah. of being shamed for our dissociation which is not our fault right. it's because we don't feel safe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that is just the again the vicious cycle of dissociation and shame in our culture right and in our lived experience as humans right and i think that for a lot of people living with dissociation occurring on a regular basis we don't even really know that something is happening to us right. that is different than everybody else. Right. Um, a lot of us developed this strategy when we were little. Dissociation is the favorite strategy of children because yeah. we are so powerless and And we dependent. want mom and dad or whoever to mm -hmm. be just around. Right. And so if there's distress occurring as a child, there's a lot of situations where I'm not big enough, fast enough, strong yes. enough, powerful enough to get away. But what I can do is zone out. I can hide in plain sight. Yes. Yes. And, you know, an easy example of this is, let's say, as a little kid, you get in trouble in class and you're called into the principal's office. And now this big man is hovering over you, telling you why you're a bad person. With quite a deep and boomy voice. It's, exactly. So you've got this big body. He's an authority figure. And you're already feeling activated because of what just happened in the classroom. And in that moment, your body has to decide what to do. And all of you knows if you run out of that room, things are going to be worse. Yeah. If you fight the principal, well, Even things are going to be way worse and also pretty ineffective because he's big. Yeah, and he doesn't <laughs> care about your opinion. Right, and also, even if I was to try to run away, he's probably faster than me. Right. Right, so there's no way to escape. There's no way to fight it. So I have to just sit here and take, take it. it. Yes. But I am so afraid or maybe I'm so angry. Like I have these really intense, overwhelming yeah. feelings that I know I can't share and I can't express any of them because it'll make it worse. Yes. So what does my body do? It does me a tremendously kind, merciful favor and says, here, don't feel anything. Right. Just check out. Yes. Zone out, numb out, feel this less. Go somewhere safe in yeah. your own mind and body where it's not so overwhelming. Yeah. So again, it's about that intention, uh, attention and awareness. Mm -hmm. And so in that context right there, and there are a million other oh, contexts, yeah. but... One it, example of a gajillion. Yeah, a yes. gajillion. That is the proper unit of, of measurement for dissociative <laughs> experiences. It's uh, official. It's gajillion. A gajillion. Yeah. Um, in... In those situations, it makes total sense why the human organism would take attention and awareness yeah. away from the present moment um, because that's where we believe the threat is coming from. Yep. And we've evaluated below our conscious awareness that we don't have or can't use the resources we need to to get mm -hmm. out of it. Mm -hmm. We either don't have them or we can't use them. Yeah. Fight and flight are not going to work here. So yeah. we might as well just freeze yeah well and i feel like this explains just 
so many moments that little kids experience. You know, I don't know if anybody else has had this experience. I think it's pretty common of, you know, you're getting yelled at, you're getting in trouble for something, you're being shamed, you're being talked down to, your body is terrified. And suddenly the adult that's yelling at you says something like, are you even listening to me right now? Yeah. (laughs) And everything in you is like, yes, but no, like I can't, I can't really take in everything you're saying because I am so overwhelmed. Yeah. This is so terrifying to me. I can't handle being fully present. And then they get even more angry and more shamey about it. And they escalate even further because they want us to give some indication that we are fully digesting every mean word that they're saying to us. And in that moment, it pushes us further into shutdown and what a, yeah, just what a conundrum right. for a tiny human organism to try Here's to deal a, with. This is a tragic story of one of my clients mm-hmm. um, that I think is just so common. Maybe the the way exactly that it was expressed uh, was a little bit unique, but I think this dynamic is so common. Um, it was he was reflecting on it, an experience when he was a little boy mm-hmm. and had multiple occasions where he was forced to sit until he could find the words oh. to explain why he did something. His mom wouldn't let him do anything else mm. until he could find the words yeah. to say, to explain, like yeah. justify why himself. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Yeah. And he would tell me that sometimes it'd be 30 minutes, an hour, and mm. sometimes he'd even have to not eat until yeah. he could. Yeah. Similar stories of being made to sit at the dinner table until you finish all of your food. That's right. Ugh. Hours, hour, you know, and, you know, if that sounds alarming to you, I'm glad. But for a lot of children, that is a common oh, was, lived experience. That was mine. Yeah. You can't leave until you eat. And a- so for everything. me, I just like scarf down all my food. Right. And then you're <laughs> out of there. to this day. And then I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> well, that's why you do that. That makes so much sense. I feel seen. Yes. Oh, so you dissociate when you eat, Bridger? You yeah. You just inhale without tasting yep. anything? Yep. And that's why if you've known me in a meal setting, I take a second <laughs> to feel in my body. Uh-huh. Because I know that if I don't, I will just dissociate inhale this and, and be like, are we leaving? Uh-huh. When are we going to go? Yeah. Because I, I did what I was supposed to. I'm, I'm done a good now. boy. I'm good. Yeah. I'm ready to go back to work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that... Uh, Why does this podcast just become about me talking about my childhood? Well, I think it is for both of us That's because tough. it's relevant. Man. <laughs> we can only give so many client Hi, examples. Listener. Um, Hi, You know this, us this is very Bridger. intimately I now. Guess, yes, they do. I've talked about my feet. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked about my eating. Uh, we've talked about the Enneagram. It's true. So much. Interesting. So much. But it, it, it makes it relatable. It, and it's real. And it is real. <laughs> All very real. And, and both you and I have similar nervous system strategies because of, uh, yeah, similar dynamics in our upbringing curious <laughs> hmm. um yeah okay so one of my uh favorite moments of realizing oh god this was like my deal when i was little <laughs> is my mother uh well there's a few different ones she i think i remember the story yeah. of you sleeping oh yeah Going away i mean there, there's so many of them but when i was a child when we were out shopping and i grew up in southeast asia where you know a hundred degree day is just another tuesday um, so you're hot, you're uncomfortable, there's no relief from the intensity of that physical experience, and then you're walking around and you're little and your legs are short and you can't keep up with everybody. 
And so dissociation was my way of dealing with just the constant physical discomfort of yeah. that environment. And so when we were out shopping, my deal was I would go and find one of those round clothes racks. They don't really have them as much anymore. But back in the 80s, this was a thing, mm-hmm. a lot more. Uh, they're, they're like a circle clothes rack that they would hang the clothes on. And my favorite thing to do was to climb into the middle. And I would yeah. go to sleep in an instant. I would just be out cold. Hidden from everybody. Hidden away safe and cozy (laughs) yeah exactly there's clothes all around me cloaked in clothes it's shady in there it kind of smells interesting but kind of safe yes yes it was like sensory perfection for a dissociating little kid nervous system (laughs) and uh, so that was one the other one is that uh to this day my mother frequently tells the story of from the time i was like two all the way until probably junior high when we were out in public she would have to say to me multiple times in a given setting melissa be aware of your surroundings because I was not and I didn't think anything of it for yeah. many years and then one time she was telling a story I'm like oh god I was dissociated that's what that was yeah wow <laughs> that makes so much sense yeah because I'm not uh, an inattentive person I'm not mm-hmm. a spacey person so what in the world was going on there and the answer was there was something happening in the environment and my little body figured out the best option is to just check out zone out be gone and the result was I wasn't super conscious of what was going on. And if you're conscious of a fire siren, there there's a yeah. uh, truck going An by. An unusual one. I know, don't usually get many right by the building. No, it's a little strange for downtown. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think both of those are really normal lived examples. And because both you and I had enough intensity in our childhood to develop that as a baseline strategy, yeah. what happens in the human body is that once you've established that as sort of a favored strategy, you are more and more likely to use it at other points in your life. And when something traumatic happens, um, and you know all of those stories that we just told are their own version of traumatic according to our definition of trauma, But as life proceeds and there's more intense and overwhelming traumas, that dissociative uh, feature is intensified. Yes. And, you know, in my case, it just continued to intensify as I got older and never really stopped until I, you know, perfected it. (laughs) Interesting. As you were just reflecting, I was thinking back to something, a series of memories with my mom where, and unless I know you've experienced me in this, but when I get really focused on something, I don't like respond to the Mm -hmm. environment around me a lot. I'm just like really focused on what I'm doing. And I was like, I've been like that my entire life. Right. And my mother's way of responding to this is, and this is going to make her sound. Oh no, mine, mine did the same thing. I know where you're going with this. Like the, or the pinching, the pinching, pinching back of the arm. Yep. Back of the arm (sighs) pinch. Oh God. Yes. It was back of the arm. So like immediately back into my body. I'm like, what? What? Or, um, if I was like outside somewhere, I grew up on a really big farm. If I was outside somewhere, she'd use this really high-pitched whistle that she has. Mm -hmm. And I love both of those uh, just neurobiologically because they are our body when we are in a dissociated state is hearing and responding to those ranges of response uh, or of stimuli. Yes. You know, the muscles in our inner ear actually kind of tune out the Mm -hmm. frequency of the human voice. So that's why when I'm really focused on something, I can't You literally don't hear me. I cannot hear you. Yeah. Until I become just perceptively aware, right. oh, somebody needs my attention. Okay, yes. put energy back into present yeah. you know, awareness and attention, mm-hmm. and here I am But back. I don't pinch you on the back of the arm. No, you don't. No <laughs> one in my life at this point. <laughs> and I'm, I count this as a, a marker of my health. That's right. That you don't have relationships that pinch you anymore. <laughs> no pinching and no whistling. 
<laughs> which is really great. It's important. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, we're kind of talking about this in a lighthearted way because it's helpful. Um, yeah. But the, the lived experience. It's called experience, minimizing. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little. Um, <laughs> but the, the really lived scary. experience for, for those of us that had to develop this as a strategy is long term, you know, over years, life was just a little too intense and too overwhelming. Yeah. There was not or way too intense, yeah, yeah. way overwhelming. And uh, the the consistency of it is what really creates a a habitual pattern of utilizing this as a resource. And so, you know, reflecting back on, oh God, I I learned to do this when I was a kid, and I've just been doing it ever since. Yeah. And you know now. I'm not even conscious sometimes of when it's happening. It yeah. feels so natural. And, you know, one of the downsides of dissociation as a strategy is that when you're in a dissociated state, you're not catching that you're dissociating. Mm. It gets challenging to really be in a place of self-awareness and monitoring about it, which is one of the things that yeah. we do in therapy and helping people begin to work with this strategy, not get rid of it. Yeah which feels very important to me. It's impossible. Well, it's impossible, and I think it's rude. It's shaming. Yes, because my body figured out how to take care of me, and this was the way that I survived. And right. you know, for those of us that have a lot of trauma in our history, this is how you survived. And it's a beautiful, beautiful mechanism. And I have at many points in my life been so grateful that my body knows how to do this. Yeah. I needed it. Now... I can be conscious of it and I can be in awareness of the fact that my body is choosing this as a strategy to help me manage the distress and have ways of coming out of that safely and reconnecting yeah. with others in a safe way to bring me out of that space. Um, and I can do that consciously and with awareness. And in therapy, that's one of the things that we teach and, yeah. and you know facilitate in our clients' experiences is how do I, number one, catch it when it's happening? How do I meet that strategy with tremendous acceptance and self-compassion? And how do I begin to offer my system alternatives to this strategy yes. when I decide that it's not uh, beneficial or as yes. beneficial as another strategy? And I love um, talking about this of like the what to do about it, because mm -hmm. it's such a difficult thing to recognize in yourself, especially if you don't have an attuned mirror right. to help you see it. And most people that choose dissociation did not have an attuned mirror. No, that's why they that's dissociated. That's one of the reasons. Yes, yes. That is, and yeah. so and that's very challenging. Yes. Yeah. And even for me, like... I guess we should say what we mean by attuned mirror. I'm getting ready okay. to. Okay. Yeah. I'm going there. Um, but to me, even for me now, um, as a therapist working with this and helping people understand it, um, you know, my ability to recognize it as it's happening mm -hmm. is still very hard in my body. Yeah. In me. And so I just have to look back on it in retrospect or in hindsight yes. of saying oh that's what that was yes. I, i'm clearly dissociating right now mm -hmm. what do i do about this well try to find some cues of safety or understand the threat you know you try to fumble around a little bit in that space but what do we do to return to safety yeah. if we understand dissociation as what we do in uh, a situation where our resources are completely depleted mm -hmm. or we can't use the ones that are available to us yeah so that means we're unsafe. Yeah. What do we do to find safety? Mm. That's where that's where we go in thinking about what to do about dissociation because like Melissa said, it's a strategy that we're always going to have and we yeah. need to have it. Yes. We have to have it. Yeah. There's a concept that we teach in in our trauma informed care training um 
called recognize, understand, attune, and co-regulate. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I'd like for us to kind of end this mm-hmm. is by really just briefly breaking down those those four words and then inviting people to kind of just assess their relationships in their life to see if this is possible with yeah. anybody. Yeah. And if not, you know, we talked about the retreats at the beginning of the episode and finding good therapy mm-hmm. um, is so important because that's really what a good therapist is doing. Yes. Is recognizing. Uh, well, let's just go through it. So <laughs> the, the, the recognizing is really just being able to spot in the body yeah. Yeah. when that activation is happening yeah. monitoring and correctly yeah. identifying or at the very least having a good uh, intuition of it yeah. may be happening and looking, being able to check in yeah mm-hmm. looking for those things that melissa was saying about zoning out numbing the thousand yeah. yard stare during the headlights of what you're doing right yeah. can't put thoughts together that type of thing uh, somebody who can really understand that with you mm-hmm. so recognize what that is understand is the second word and that really means being able to see why mm-hmm. what you're recognizing is actually happening. Yeah. Why is the zoning out happening? Yeah. Yeah. What was it that just happened in the last 30 seconds that yeah. kicked that strategy into gear? What threat yeah. are you picking up on mm-hmm. in the environment or in yourself That's right. that you are choosing to respond to with dissociation? Yeah. So we recognize it in the body. We then try to understand why. And then by that understanding, we position ourselves in an attuning posture Mm -hmm. towards that person Mm -hmm. who is in that activated state. And that means really just helping them find any type of uh, hooks to grab onto anything that they can find to say, we're here right Mm -hmm. now. You're okay. Yeah. Whatever you're kind of going back to in your mind, if that's what it is, you know, it's, it's here now in the space with us Yes. and we are together. Um, just helping them find any path that they would feel is safer than what they believed was happening, which made them dissociate in the first place. Yes. Yeah. Um, really, go ahead. And sometimes it's about helping them catch that it just happened. Exactly. Because at least half the time, especially at the beginning of a therapeutic relationship, when I first point out like, hey, where'd you go? Right. Uh, they don't even know that they just went somewhere. Yeah. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they'll quickly try to reorient and kind of cover up what just happened. But part of working with that in, in therapy is saying, no, 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 we don't have to pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah. Let's attune to it. Let's understand yes. it together and come into connection together to see if your body can uh, co-regulate back into a safe space so that strategy isn't needed. Right. We don't want to suppress the strategy and tell it that it's bad. Yeah. It's welcome when it's needed, but why was it needed? Yeah. yeah. And is it actually needed here? Yes. And if it is, can you help me understand how we can make it so safer. you can feel yeah. safer? Yeah. Um, attuning is not about shaming or trying to get rid of the feeling. It's actually about helping to normalize That's and right. validate. Welcome. And then, yeah. yeah, exactly. Invite the person mm-hmm. into connection, which mm-hmm. is the last word, co-regulation. Right. That is a concept that comes from polyvagal theory that we've talked about before on this podcast. And again, we'll talk about it many other times. Mm-hmm. But co-regulation is based on my awareness of where you're at. That recognizing piece. Yes. The understanding that now we both have together of why it's happening and the attunement that we've invited each other into. Mm -hmm. Can we move together into a place of regulation and safety in connection? Yeah. Can that be possible? How can we get there? Mm -hmm. Really just helping both bodies and minds feel safe Mm -hmm. in the connection that that is now established between the two of you. Yeah. And for so many of us, that 
isn't available to us a lot of the time. Maybe ever. And that's why therapy, um, you know, that's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we do what we do every day here at Beyond Healing Mm -hmm. is we want these resources to be made available to the people that need them, which is every being with a nervous system. Right. We want this recognize, understand, attune, and co-regulate to be offered from the highest mountaintops to the lowest valley for all people to respond to and have an opportunity to accept the invitation. Mm -hmm. That's so desperately what we want because dissociation is a threat response, which means it's not going to go anywhere. It's going to stay in our biology until something comes along that would change it, which would be wild, but it's not going to happen. Dissociation is a good thing, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we misapply it. Yes. Well, and I think it's usually a case of when we have learned that the world is not safe. That's right. It takes us quite a while and a lot of disconfirming experiences to decide to risk trusting again for very, very good reasons. Yes. A traumatized nervous system that has had experiences over and over and over that says people are not safe. They don't take care of me here's this memory this memory this memory and all of these people that were supposed to take care of me they didn't they made me feel afraid or they made me feel bad Bad. they made me feel ashamed people are not safe and so to ask a nervous system that has had literally thousands of experiences of lack of safety and relationship to risk connection and risk trusting another human being is laughable yes and the only it's way offensive. it is it's just rude and and irrational like deeply irrational and so our body resists that for a very long time but yeah. then there's this funny thing about being human where at the same time we so deeply crave connection that we just can't help ourselves desire it so badly <laughs> it's like the only thing that we've ever wanted somebody said to me yesterday all I have ever wanted in my entire life was for somebody to just love me and that I could love them too. Mm. Like, yeah, that's humans. Heck yeah. Like, that's just all we ever wanted. Yes. It, and it never stops. And you know, we come in that way and we leave that way. And everything in between is an effort to experience that or an effort to avoid the pain of not having it. Mm. That is life as a human yeah. being. And so if we have had a million experiences that say, tell us that humans are dangerous, we still feel compelled towards connection. And dissociation is this beautiful mechanism of allowing us to be close, but have some kind of shield from the pain of that closeness. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. To me, and that's, if you're listening to this and thinking of people in your life that you Mm. recognize this in, or perhaps even recognizing it in yourself... Uh, Something I say to all of my clients is that all we can do is invite. Yeah. Because that that organism has a very good reason to never accept an invitation. That's right. right. How can it trust when all it's known is threat when Mm -hmm. what was promised was safety? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think a, a simple but very profound picture of this is, you know, a, a lot of us have seen videos online of puppies that have been born and raised in a puppy mill and have never seen grass in their entire life. And if you just yank them out of their cage and stick them in grass, they panic and they cower and wet themselves and they're terrified. But when you leave them in their crate and you set them near the grass with the door open and you just wait, slowly and eventually 
their natural curiosity that all mammals have that we just can't quite get rid of (laughs) will lure us towards that new and inviting experience. But the minute that something looks scary, we will go straight back into that back to the (laughs) cage cage. and uh, and even lock ourselves in. Yes, that's what it takes. No, puppies don't have opposable thumbs, so they can't do that, but they would cower in the corner. But the point is, is that when we when we allow enough time and continued safety and gentle invitation, our nervous system will propel us towards experimenting with connection again. That's right. And if we are choosing other humans that are safe or at least have indications of safety and we let ourselves begin to experiment very slowly with connection, over time, we can have new kinds of experiences that will reshape our nervous system to not being as quick to dissociate. Yeah. And that is what healing looks like for us, is to be able to differentiate when do I need the strategy and when do I not. Yeah. And that's, I love the picture. Well, it's a sad picture of the puppy yeah. in the kennel, but mm-hmm. I love that because the person that, you know, for me, if I had that experience with a puppy that was from the mill and we wanted to get them out into the grass, I would want so badly for them to come out. Oh yeah. You want to reach like, in there and just pull them out. Like it's yeah. so, it come out and play. Yeah, come out, like yeah. get in my lap, lick my face. That's yeah. what I want. You're, yeah. you're beautiful. I want you to be that, but they're so afraid. Mm-hmm. And to me, that just represents the intention that so many people have for those that they see struggling in their right. life with yeah. this. We want to just yank them out. Yes. And we want to just help them and, and get yeah. them out. But it's all about invitation right. and they have to have that. They have to believe that they're safe for themselves. Yeah. Slow. Quiet, slow and gentle, quiet, yes. tender, soft. Yeah, yeah. And when this is happening in session, because it happens. Oh my in, gosh! In session, um, that I have had many sessions where I end up kneeling on the floor yeah. in front of another human, just offering that kind of gentle, slow uh, connection and waiting yeah. many, many minutes. Yeah. And sometimes it happens at session. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But over time, our biology cannot resist connection. Yeah. We're so hardwired to be in relationship with each other that it it is irresistible. I have a client that this is just so precious. And I don't I don't remember if they listen to this. <laughs> but if they do, they're gonna get it's a dead giveaway. Uh, but it's So if it's you, thank you just, for <laughs> You're so lovely. You're you're wonderful, you're doing great work. But um, they'll in this experience of going through a big emotion they'll just hold out their hand like mm-hmm. flat to me mm-hmm. and what they're asking for is a, a hand hug oh just a little hand hug yep yeah just i a just little, need a little connection right yep, now just those yes. so they'll hold their flat palm out and they just want me to reach over yes. and press my hand against theirs and then close my thumb around yes. their hand and then they'll close theirs around mine yes. yeah and it's We're just, just so connecting and then that's good and then they'll when they let go They've, you know, we've kind of talked about that's when they're ready to just move on. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go back yet. Yep. I just want to. I'm not ready to go there yet. Yeah. And that's on. okay. It's that's so okay. great. Yes. Yeah. So developing little things like that, that can just be good enough for yes. right now. Connection, grounding, validation, affirmation, mm-hmm. invitation, mm-hmm. all to just come back when we're ready. Yeah. Yeah. Safe together. That's right. Yeah. Well, Mel, do you want to talk about Patreon? I do. So... We have a Patreon here at Beyond Healing Center, and for this podcast specifically, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. and on there we have lots of different resources, um, 
for, yeah, just general mental health and self-care and uh, just some fun things like stickers and things like that. Yes. Um, but mostly it's a way for you guys to kind of get connected in community with us. That's one of our favorite things that we get to do here at Beyond Healing is be in community with uh, like-minded people that are on their journey of healing from trauma and learning about what it means to have a human nervous system, what it means to have trauma in our history, which we all have. Um, And so that's a way to do that. And so you can go to patreon.com slash beyond trauma podcast, and we have different tiers of membership um, to, you know, match your budget and also look at what resources you want access to. But we would love to connect with you in that way. And you can also always email us at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com. Once again, if you're curious about retreats or getting connected with a clinician, we have some clinicians that can do virtual sessions. So even if you're not in our area, but you want to work with somebody that practices this way, we got options for you. So send us an email, therapy at Beyond Healing Center, and we would love to connect with you through Patreon, through um, email, whatever works for you. And thank you guys so much uh, for those of you that are part of our Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. It makes a world of difference to us. (laughs) It really, really does. Um, And we just love getting to connect with you guys as well. All right. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is... um, just to help continue to share these resources with other people. Yeah. Um, just taking a second, if you've enjoyed this podcast, to go uh, like it, uh, rate it, and leave a review. Um, that gets on us... On iTunes. Yes, on iTunes uh, and, and Spotify as mm-hmm. well. Whatever podcast player this is coming to you in. <laughs> but right. that just helps us get to um, more and more people to mm-hmm. share these resources and the hope of healing through relationship. That's right. And that's what we're really committed to here. Mm-hmm. So if you'll just go ahead and take a second to like rate whatever uh, leave a comment uh, about this podcast on only if the, it's good though right. just kidding <laughs> i mean not really we can handle negative feedback but okay. um, but yeah that would just be so appreciated and uh, you would have an opportunity to help someone else find a resource mm-hmm. for their healing journey as well that's right but thank you guys for listening mm-hmm. and safe travels Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Trauma, a psychotherapy podcast from therapists for clients about the journey of trauma recovery. While resources like this can be helpful, they should never take the place of or be used as therapy. We encourage you to find a trauma-informed therapist in your area to be your guide in this healing journey. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at beyondtraumapodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in.